0: Welcome to Maximize Your Influence, your resource for the top persuasion, influence, and negotiation techniques that will help
1: you maximize your success in life and business. And now, here are your hosts, Kurt Mortensen and Steve Olson. Welcome to another episode of Maximize Your Influence. Glad to have you here. I am Steve Olson. Alongside Kurt Mortenson, beautiful day in the Salt Lake City metro area today, Kurt. What's the latest? I guess you've had to put the boat away for the season already, even though it's such a nice day. No, I have not.
0: Oh you I have, have not. not? People have told me to, but I have a neighbor that's willing to go out with me for that last final run. It doesn't matter that the water's fifty degrees and the air temperature's sixty degrees. I'm not a fair weathered fan.
1: <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> That is kind of surreal, though, when you're you're out on the lake wakeboarding and all the trees are orange and red from the leaves turning. It just doesn't really fit, but it's a pretty cool experience.
0: It's cool. There's snow on the mountains. and I remember doing that in California where you could go to the beach or snow ski in the morning and the beach in the afternoon. So it's kind of that time of year where you get a little bit of everything.
1: Little bit of everything. Well, that's great. That's great. And probably your last run of the year. We can certainly handle that. It's going to get a lot colder. It's going to get worse before it gets better around here. That's for sure.
0: That's true. The snow is coming.
1: So all you people in uh, San Diego, you're about to remember again why you pay such high property taxes. You're going to be laughing (laughs) at us for the next few months while you have the best weather on planet Earth.
0: So true. So true.
1: Yeah, I actually picked up my dad at the airport today. He had been down in Brisbane, Australia. Uh, for a couple of weeks he's uh, he's in a, a big network marketing company and they're just launching into that part of the world and beautiful beautiful weather down there right now and very very expensive products he told me it's the australian dollars right about where the us dollar is but everything costs so much more i mean they're spending he and his uh, and my stepmom they'd spend 70 80 dollars on just a standard dinner a restaurant that's just not that great. You know, that's something to hear at like a Chili's or something. You might spend, I don't know, $30, $40, and it's almost double down there in Australia. It's crazy.
0: Wow, I didn't know. I thought it was a little bit closer to ours, but that's an expensive meal if you keep doing that three times a day. <laughs> yeah,
1: it can certainly add up in a hurry, add up in a hurry. And it's funny because... I wanted to talk about an article today that kind of goes off of that line. And we're going to spend more time on the show today on the mental side of persuasion, because we've all kind of grown up being taught how to behave about money and how we should think about it. And I think that's why so many people have trouble being in sales, because you're really taught to not ask, well, how much do you make? Or what about this? Or can I have that money? Right? We're not taught to do that. But if you're in sales, that's exactly what your job is. It's just a a fancier way of saying, hey, can I have some money?
0: <laughs> the only two professions where people really admit what they make, well, not always, is sales and network marketing, <laughs> right? Other than that, we're, taught not to, we're not allowed to talk about that.
1: Yeah, we're not allowed to talk about I, I have a, a family member. I won't go into details as to who. I am very confident that they are not, and that's why I'm willing to bring <laughs> this up. <laughs> they, they wouldn't like a show like this, but she'll just go around and ask people, well, what's your house payment? What's your car payment? Like, it's nothing. Like, what's the weather like? These questions are of equal, equal weight to her. And she just, for some reason in her upbringing, didn't get that filter. So maybe you she should get into sales. Shoot back and say, well, how much do you weigh? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. In my experience, though, using that kind of flip logic on somebody like her, it's a lose-lose scenario. You just got to pack up and go home.
0: When people are missing those filters, it doesn't matter what you do, because it can always take that strange turn that you didn't prepare for, because the filter's missing.
1: (laughs) You are not playing on an equal playing field here.
0: (laughs) Not at all. Don't
1: try to use logic as your benchmark. Well, a great article, and and it's actually been out for a couple of months, but it came to my attention just a few days ago. It was published on August 29th of 2013, and it was uh, posted in the Washington Post. And the headline of the article is, Poverty Strains Cognitive Abilities, Opening Door for Bad Decision-Making, a New Study Finds. And it's pretty interesting because I see this a lot for much of what I do for a career. I spend time going into neighborhoods where many of the properties are, are rental properties, and you can sometimes end up in neighborhoods where it's a lot poorer than the surrounding area. And it really does make you think of, why is this the way it is? Why is everybody in this neighborhood a low-income level? Why did they move here? How did they get to that point? And it's one of those chicken and the egg kind of things, isn't it? Because we notice that they always have these certain problems that if you're on the outside, and I don't mean to sound stuck up if somebody's having a hard time with money right now, but when you're on the outside looking in, these are obvious solutions. But when you're mired in it, it's not so obvious, is it?
0: No, you really get stuck in the... The pity, the blame, the lack of focus, the desperation, the lack of vision, all those things just suck the life out of you and just drain you mentally to where, even though it's right there, like we say, the acres of diamonds, even though it's right there, you can't see it.
1: Yeah. Well, let's give the, the listeners a, a snapshot of this study. And I'll I'll just read a brief amount of it and we can comment on it. But as a part of the study, researchers conducted experiments on two groups of subjects, low- and middle-income shoppers in a mall in New Jersey, and sugarcane farmers in rural India. In the mall experiment, shoppers underwent a battery of tests to measure IQ and impulse control. However, half the participants were first given a teaser question, what they would do if their car had broken down and needed $1,500 worth of repairs, designed to put a pressing financial concern at the forefront of their thoughts. In India, Researchers tested the cognitive capacity and decision-making of farmers before the sugarcane harvest, when they were most strapped for money, and afterwards, when they had fewer financial woes. The results showed that people wrestling with the mental strain of poverty suffered a drop of as much as 13 points in their IQ, roughly the same found in people subjected to a night with no sleep. In the study, the researchers go on to say that poverty is the equivalent of pulling an all-nighter. And some other terminology they went on to use is it uses up a lot of mental bandwidth. Being poor, not having a lot of money is a tremendous strain on, on the horsepower of your brain, so to speak, so that when relatively obvious decisions are presented, you don't make them as well. And this just spirals out of control to create more and more poverty. I thought that was a pretty interesting study that they came up with here.
0: Yeah, I knew it was an issue, but that's a lot bigger issue than even I thought as far as just sucking that energy, the IQ out of you, the hope to where it's definitely a downward spiral that's hard for many people to get out of.
1: It really is. So they they say that when you have any kind of problem in life, it's best to zone everything else out and focus 100% on that. But even in the case of poverty, whatever 100% focus you can muster, it's just not as potent as it should be. To solve a lot of problems so i guess we can see then why it's so hard for many people to get out of the situation when you're at a 13 point iq deficit whenever you're making a decision that would be pretty tough to do
0: yeah not only that making the decision your iq's lower and but you're surrounded by people that have the same iq i guess the same challenges the same issues and it's just everyone pulling everybody down to where uh, wow getting out's tougher and tougher nowadays
1: yeah yeah, the researcher said, picture yourself after an all-nighter. Being poor is like that every
0: Me walking around with Dane
1: Bramage. <laughs> Dane Bramage, that's Dane right. Dane Bramage. Well, my wife and I are, we're about to have our third baby here at the end of December, and we're kind of dreading the, the newborn fog that's going to come because we've done two already, and, and we know that, hey, the sleep situation, it is not ideal for three or four months and just the fear of that, kind of like we were talking about on our last podcast and how the U.S. was using these sleep deprivation techniques on uh, accused terrorists down in Guantanamo Bay. Kind of feeling like, oh, wow, now I'm going to get a little bit of what those guys feel like. <laughs> it's kind of like my, what would you call it, my post-seminar
0: I don't know what brother you call after teaching a seminar for three days. That fourth day, I'm like, huh? What? <laughs> oh, yeah. The post-seminar depression fog. Uh, and, yeah, it was just a fog. You couldn't take them. I mean, after
1: three days of giving all your energy, it was just like,
0: what? what? Well,
1: I know because see, I-, I would be responsible for a-, a lot of the details around the edges and keeping things smoothly. Your job is to just get up there and talk, right, about persuasion. <laughs> And we'd we get done for the day, say, where do you want to go eat. And basically all you were good for is I don't know, put me in the car and drive me somewhere. <laughs> and if there's food in front of me, I'll I'll make sure I'll, it gets in my mouth.
0: Yeah, I'll make sure I eat it. Yeah, there's something about putting out that energy. And you're fine when you're up there, but once you're done, that's I can experience that fog. So I've ha I've had that fog.
1: Yeah, right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think the lesson from the article would be If you're in a situation where money is an issue, and I've been in those situations before, I think almost everybody has. We know that the brain can recover to a degree when it does something that it enjoys or when it gets a rest of some kind. Trying to at least build those kinds of things into your life, and I I can realize it can be extremely difficult in a situation of poverty, but it may give your brain somewhat of a rest to bump that IQ up to use less bandwidth because yeah, I think anybody that's had a money problem before knows that's always there. It's always hanging over you. It's always in the back of your mind. And it becomes this kind of this set of goggles that you see life through consistently. It's very hard to shake. It is. And I've
0: been there. You're afraid
1: to go to the mailbox, afraid to pick up
0: the phone. You're afraid all this fear just consumes you. And it's just a domino effect to where you just have to step aside and it might be a good night's sleep. It might be a healthy meal. It might just be going out to nature and having some alone time. It might be some exercise to where you can just get the, a little piece of your back to get back in your feet to really understand what it takes to get out of that rut.
1: And it's a hard rut because the knee-jerk reaction would be, I, I don't have time for that. I'm, I've am i got to work. I've got to do this. Or, But you've got to find time for that in order to bump your cognitive ability up. And, and get out of this vicious cycle that the that the study talks about. But anyways, we want to move on to some more information that we want to cover on the show today. Once again, maximizeyourinfluence at gmail.com. Shoot us an email with any show suggestions, ideas, positive comments, complaints, whatever you want to talk about. We'd be happy to address it on the show if we feel like it even approaches uh, being relevant for the other listeners to... Uh, to talk about. We've got some weird off the wall stuff before that hasn't made it on the show. So <laughs> if you sent something in and we didn't cover it, congratulations, you're weird and off the wall. They're missing a filter. That's your that's <laughs> Yeah. Didn't make it? You're missing a filter. You're missing a filter. So yeah, that's right. And you don't have to live in New York or San Francisco to be missing <laughs> a filter. Great. So,
0: Kurt, <laughs> I was going to say something like about- I think I already dug my pit last week, so I'm not going to say anything. <laughs> it sounds like you've got your filter in place. Good job. Yeah.
1: It was, it, was, it was a little slow to go, but it was there. It was a filter Yeah <laughs> Right. Well, one thing that we always hear, and it goes back to what we talked about at the beginning of the show today, was that mental side of persuasion. And that is probably the hardest part about all of this. And we look at the studies. We look at the information that's out there on the topic. And it's easy to understand. It's easy to determine in any given situation, okay, what do I do here? What technique should I implement? But we have these mental blocks. So I can't say that, or that's not right, or I can't ask that person to do that. There's so much of a mental game when it comes to the persuasion side of things. And so Kurt has kindly agreed to give us all three different mental preparation exercises or, or things that we can go through to get amped up, to prepare ourselves mentally to be more effective persuaders. Is that right, Kurt? Or did I put words in your mouth? No. There's
0: a variety of things, but let's talk about the big three that, that makes the biggest difference. Fire away. Let us Do you have want it. Me, Is that what you want me to talk about? Oh, okay.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know if you got the hint there, but th- that's kind of where I, I want you to go with Maybe this. I am missing a filter, but anyway. Something. <laughs>
0: When we talk about influence or persuasion, we're talking about self-persuasion here. If you can't persuade yourself, you can't motivate yourself, if your mindset's in the wrong spot, it's going to affect every aspect of your life, including your ability to influence. In fact, one study that was just done, it was this simple. When you feel influential, you become more influential. And to do that, we have to really work on the mindset, because if you're not right mentally, you're going to have a very hard time persuading and influencing others. So, the first one top of the list we have to deal with, especially for those that are on commission or on sales, is fear. And fear holds a lot of people back. Now, we're only born with two fears. And what are they?
1: Come on, tell me. Hmm, I would say fear of spicy foods and <laughs> fast cars. Close. A newborn baby
0: that was just born has two fears the fear of falling and the fear of loud noises. Ah, uh, well, I was not even close. <laughs> And that means all these fears that hold people back, they're learned fears so they can be unlearned. So, Steve, what would you guess are some of the major fears out there?
1: Well, when it pertains to persuasion, I would definitely say the fear of rejection is, is oh, right up there.
0: Fear of rejection, the fear of criticism, the fear of failure, the fear of no. We have a lot of people that are a fear of success. Now, I don't know if they're afraid of driving a nice car or something, but people have a lot of fear of maintaining that success. Yeah. And We have to really address those fears and know that really sucks the life out of us. And I think fear even drops us a few IQ points, too, to where it consumes us. That's all we're thinking about. And as a persuader, you need to learn to follow your heart and know that, okay, it might be a fear of public speaking. It might be a fear of criticism. But when you have passion, when you know on the right track, when you know you're changing lives with your product or service, it becomes much easier to overcome those fears to know that you're on the right track. Every millionaire has a story of the list of people that told him it wouldn't work, they can't do it, don't try it, what are you thinking, you're stupid, go back to school, whatever it is, but they follow their heart. And you know, my, one of my favorite stories is Bill Gates, founder of Microsoft, went to Harvard at a very young age, spent a couple of years at Harvard, and after two years his heart was telling him, hmm, I need to start a computer software company. If I don't, nobody else will. And nobody even knew what software was back then. And can you imagine when he went to go talk to his guidance counselor? Oh, I'm, I'm going to quit Harvard and do this. The guidance counselor would say something like, are you crazy? Stay here and get a four-year degree <laughs> and go work for a large company like Enron, for example, because they'll take care of you. So addressing those fears, really learning to follow your heart's a big part of that. That would be the first one.
1: Yeah, okay. So addressing the fears, and I think you're implying there, correctly so, that following your heart is the exact opposite of being fearful. It is, because when you have that
0: passion, you're following your heart, the fears are still there. Just like as I train public speakers, okay, you're going to have butterflies, okay, now just get them to fly into formation. That's all we want. So it's okay to have that fear, we're just going to funnel it and say, okay, we can do this, we can address that. So when you have passion, when you're following your heart, the fear will start to erode away to the point where it'll be a non-issue for you.
1: I've found that when I'm feeling fearful, it's... To me, it's because there's something unknown. I don't know what's going to happen if A or if B or if C. And it's become a very good way to, for me to just not really be afraid of anything at all, to think through, okay, what really will happen, to study it out and to know. And when I take away the the unknown factor, I'm almost never fearful. And then this, the second thing, too, would be you've got to have some kind of a mentor or somebody that has been there. That, like you say, Kurt, helps people know you're on the right track. You're doing this the right way because so many times in especially sales or running your own business, there really isn't a 100% correct way to do it. There's lots of guidance. There are lots of ideas along the way, but it's hard to tell if you're going in the right direction. And so having somebody that has been there to, to really shepherd you along the way takes so much of that fear away. And it just massively reduces the learning curve.
0: And that's the power of a mentor. When you blow it, you make a mistake, you have a failure. They're like, yep, good job. I did that too. You're like, oh, okay. And it's not that big of a deal. And you mentioned something really important too is the unknown. And humans, whether it's yourself or your prospect, that humans like the known pain is easier to handle than the unknown pain. So the known pain of going to a job that you hate, that's sucking the life out of you, you can handle it because you do it every day. Versus the unknown pain of quitting your job and finding a job, but if you don't find a job, is so stressful for people they just go back to the known pain because they know they can handle it.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's 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 definitely true. You've told that story about the guy walking down the street in a new neighborhood that he moved into, and he hears a dog howling in the distance. Uh, that and the dog's obviously in a lot of pain, and he keeps walking, and it's getting closer and closer. And finally, he sees an old-timer sitting on his porch in a rocking chair, and this dog is laying down next to him, howling in pain. And the guy says, what's wrong with your dog? And this old-timer says, well, he's just laying on a nail. And the obvious question is, well, why doesn't he get up? And the old-timer says, well, it doesn't hurt bad enough yet. (laughs) (laughs) And it's because the dog knows, hey, well, at least I know how bad it hurts here, right?
0: (laughs) And that's... So true with human behavior. So true.
1: Oh, yeah. I, I've seen so many people, people very close to me, that it's easier to complain than it is to change.
0: It is. And that's to complain or to blame than to admit you're wrong or to change your habits or anything that you do.
1: Absolutely. What's another way that we can get mentally geared up to become better persuaders?
0: Well, for number two, I don't know if I need a drum roll, but number two is going to be Visualization. The universe will not reward you physically until you see it mentally, and that's true for success, that's true for for any aspect of mindset, because when we're stuck in worry about the future and our finances, we're worried about this, what that means is that your vision's not strong enough, and I hope that's a big takeaway for everyone. When you're stuck on worry, you can't see yourself doing it, you haven't visualized it, you take an Olympic athlete that's won a gold medal, they've seen it thousands of times before it happened because you have to create it visually. And when you talk about money and wealth and success, that's a huge issue. In fact, in commission sales, the research shows time and time again, and everyone denies this, is that you earn what you feel you're worth. Someone feels they're a $100,000 a year person. They've made it in October. They keep working, but they're sabotaged. They're sabotaged. They don't even know what's going on. And people get stuck with these limiting beliefs with their visualization. And you've heard it before that, oh, money's the root of all evil, or, uh, well, to work hard, you have to have a college degree, and wealthy people are unhappy, you have to work hard. And those aren't true, but people get stuck in that mindset to where they sabotage themselves, that they don't think it's okay to be wealthy, that it really sucks the life out of them. For example, say you're driving around town and you have your friend in the car and you drive around, you see, say, a... Someone in a very expensive car or someone living in a multi-million dollar mansion. What negative and derogatory things do people say about this millionaire without ever meeting them? What do you think?
1: Uh, drug dealer, trust fund baby, got lucky, stuff along those lines. Oh, yeah. Stepped on people. They're not happy. They've
0: been divorced five times. They're going to go to hell. You know, <laughs> all these things. And I have to tell people, like, whoa, 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 time out. If you're in that situation... You have to understand you cannot become what you resent. You cannot become what you despise. You cannot become what you make fun of. When you see a wealthy person and you're not wealthy, you say, good for you. I'm next. But hey, good for you. Otherwise, it'll never happen because people sabotage themselves, especially around money and success. You know, money's the root of all evil. Really? No, it's the love of money. And I'd be the first to agree. If you love money more than your family and friends, that probably would be evil but yeah yeah i'm a big believer that the best thing you can do to help a poor person is not be poor yourself right yeah give back and helping out And our good friend Harve ecker we know what he says that if anybody ever says that money's not important just look them right in the eye and say you don't have any do you <laughs> <laughs> because that's all part of that mindset that visualization and thinking it through because it makes a huge difference it's a big obstacle for people if they can't see themselves wealthy If they can't see themselves successful, it will never happen. Let me repeat what I said at the beginning. The universe will not reward you physically until you believe it mentally. And that vision will also help you overcome that fear and get past that worry to get those IQ points back from being so stressed. It makes a huge difference in success.
1: So even if you've got somebody in your life that maybe they're wealthy, maybe they're doing really well, but they just drive you nuts. And you find yourself saying, well, they got lucky or – or they're a trust fund baby, or or whatever it may be. You've got to condition yourself to get past that and say, good for you. Even if the person drives you nuts, say, well, you may have done some things very well there that have led to your circumstances, because your brain's just not going to allow you to become something that you're constantly belittling and creating excuses for. That's totally against your whole subconscious mind. You want to be become something that you can visualize and that you look up to and that you like, not something that you hate. Exactly. Even if it's a person you don't like, you can say, hey, good for
0: you. I'm glad you got lucky. I'm glad you're the right place at the right time. I'm glad you worked hard. Because a lot of times we don't see what went into that wealth. People say, well, money doesn't buy happiness. Really? Guess what the studies show? Hmm. Imagine this. You don't have to worry about retirement. You're vacationing more. You're spending more time with your family. You're giving more time to your charity. Hmm. Do you think that person's a little happier than the average person? Yeah, yeah, good point. <laughs> <laughs> and people, they get stuck on that. And the only people that say that are the people that don't have it, and people get stuck in that mindset. Yeah, it does. Now, money makes you more of what you already are, so if you're an SOB before that, <laughs> you're more of that. But for the most part, when we are not when we talk about wealth, we're not talking about trust fund babies or, or movie stars. We're talking about the average person that's earned it. It does create more
1: happiness. And guess what? Even if somebody didn't earn it, You'd take it anyways if that was the route,
0: right? Absolutely. (laughs)
1: You'd say, okay, that's fine. It's that line from Fiddler on the Roof, if riches are a curse, may God smite me and may I never recover. (laughs) (laughs) And that's true. The people, they complain about it. They have all these negative things. Well, can I give you a million dollars? They would probably take it every time. Yeah, don't hate luck. Don't think that, ah, luck, you just lucky because, wow, you'd take it in a second if it was presented to you. Yeah. What about number three, Kurt? Number three I'm going to put on the list,
0: and one thing that really we really know about millionaires and successful people, we're going to put on the list, we've got to put on personal development. You, know, you can pat yourself on the back for listening to this podcast, but let me just tell you that personal development is a huge issue to success. Harvard study shows that those that are learning and growing every day, they're more optimistic about life, they're more enthusiastic about where they're going and what they're going to accomplish, but those who aren't learning and growing every day become very negative, pessimistic, and doubtful. So number one, it motivates you, exhilarates you, it excites you, it helps you see you accomplishing your goals versus those that are watching TV all day aren't motivated. But here's the strange thing is that people that watch TV all day think they know everything. (laughs) It's true, yeah. And and those that are learning and growing every day realize, man, I've got a lot to learn. And so it's a combination of, of books, of CDs, of seminars, podcasts, mentors, You have to realize that every challenge, every problem, every obstacle you're going to face in life, someone else has already been through it, figured it out, and you can read the book or you can get mentored. Why take two years to figure it out on your own, which you're smart enough to do, when you can learn it in two hours or or two days or in one-day seminar? Wow, that just changes people's lives. In fact, most homes worth over a million dollars, they have a library because all leaders are readers.
1: That's true. We used to do, for the listeners that don't know, Kurt and I used to do a ton of seminars together on persuasion, negotiation. This was probably back in 2006, maybe 2007, that we did a training on negotiation. And this one happened to be in Las Vegas. And this guy showed up to the training, and he was wearing an Armani suit. He was looking pretty slick. And I got to know him throughout the three days, and I found out that he had, uh, he's got one of those net jets memberships. If you don't know what net jets are, it's kind of like a a timeshare for private jets, if you will. You pay a a big chunk of money every year, but when you want to go somewhere, you call them up and say, hey, I need to get from LA to Dallas, and I I need to go here in the next few hours. They tell you what the availability of the jets are. You pick one and you go. Pretty cool. Well, he jumped on his net jets from Beverly Hills to come over and see us in Las Vegas and attend this three-day training. And he has an empire of apartment buildings, and he's made his made his success in uh, commercial real estate finance in Beverly Hills and in uh, Western Los Angeles, and he's been massively successful, by the accounts of what almost everybody would define, he has achieved success. You have a private jet, you've done pretty well for yourself. I think that's a good measuring stick if we were to just put a, a dollar value on this. Yet he took the time to come over and sit in a seminar with us for three days so he could learn how to better negotiate. I just always found that amazing, that he hadn't lost that fire for learning and growing. Because when people go broke when they're having a tough time, I've noticed that personal development is probably the first thing to go. They stop reading. They stop growing. They're too worried the bandwidth's all getting sucked up with other things. But it's the ones who can replace their negative thoughts and start taking up what bandwidth they do have with good information that inspires and motivates that can break out of the cycle. I don't know. What do you think about that?
0: Oh, absolutely. That's the first thing. When someone's blaming others or depressed or stuck in that cycle, I can guarantee they're not listening to CDs in your car. They're not going to the seminars. They're not listening to the audios. They're not doing these things because they're in that downward spiral. They're depressed. They're they're cynical. Nothing's going to work. They can't do it. And I'm a personal development junkie. The books and the CDs in the car, and I'm still going to seminars every year. I give seminars and I and I go to seminars. That's just how it works. And the reality is, is that as you per- climb up that ladder of success, you are always mentoring others, but you're always getting mentored. And that's what the people don't get.
1: Yeah, definitely. That personal development side of things is is so critical. I think it's something that you would find in common. Like you said, uh, leaders are readers, I've, I've read a lot about Donald Trump, for example, over the years and how much information he takes in on a daily basis. And he's always, always staying sharp along that line. And, and And, you know, conversely, so it affects your confidence. If you're in sales and you're always growing, you're always learning, you're not going into situations where you're intimidated. You always go into it with that utmost confidence that you know more than the other guy. And there's nothing with, wrong, especially in sales, with having that kind of confidence, knowing you're going to the, you're going to the table with more tools here. If uh, if it ever came down to a battle of logic, which persuasion rarely does, you you would win, and it does wonders for your confidence, and that in turn emotionally inspires and gets other people to to uh, take action.
0: Absolutely, I learned a lot from my early mentor Jim Rohn, and he talked about personal development. People say, well, I don't have time. I don't have time. But they're watching all this TV, and I love what he used to say. He said, you know what? You want to spend a day at the beach or own a piece of the beach? Yeah. And that defines personal development right there because what you don't know will hurt you. Done and done. And that confidence you mentioned, that vision, that excitement, that energy, and even to mention the tools you're learning, the things that you're learning, it makes a huge difference. And so I'm sure our listeners already know this. or listening to the podcast. They're already a step ahead of everyone else. But keep going. There are other avenues. Always learning. Always growing.
1: Well, that's good information, Kurt. Thanks for, thanks for going over that for everybody. You know who is totally off of the personal development wagon? Who's that? Homer Simpson.
0: <laughs> don't! 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 Oh, there's the sound right there.
1: <laughs> there he is. We've got our blunder incoming, and it's always good to learn how to be better by seeing what not to do on many occasions. And we will let this Homer thing ride for as long as possible until we hear from the attorneys at 20th Century Fox. But uh, as of now, well, we have not.
0: <laughs> well, I think they just renewed like their 27th season or something like that, so they're still going strong. Hey,
1: come on. If anything, this is promo. I mean, people are, right. who We're love bro- The Simpsons are going to watch it again. And it's definitely a brain drain, but it's uh, fun to laugh at <laughs> many times. and. There are so many good examples of persuasion and bad negotiation on that show. They were pretty good writers. But we've got a blunder incoming. And this one this one is pretty funny because it goes back to confidence. It goes back to your ability to have ice in your veins when you're negotiating. And, Kurt, you want to tell about a time where both you and I were there recently negotiating an employee leasing contract. And this guy had anything but ice in his veins. Why don't you tell us about it?
0: Well, he didn't have ice in his veins. He probably wasn't doing personal development. He didn't have enough tools, and he didn't know how to handle silence. And he made the blunder, which we have identified as (laughs) (laughs) self-negotiation. And he cost himself a lot of money. In fact, I think the deal became so bad for him, I doubt the company made any money. But this scenario, he came in thinking he was going to do a data dump, and we had Heard enough about employee leasing and the pros and the cons we just wanted the bottom line. And for those aren't familiar with employee leasing, they get a certain percent out of the overall grosser at what you pay out to your employees. That's how they make their money. And they were talking about the different things and you get insurance and you do this and the data. I'm like, okay, what's the bottom line? What's it going to cost? You know not that cost question. And he's like, well, 3% and then there's just silence in the room no one said anything and you remember in negotiation they have to remember how to handle silence and he's he said okay well two and a half percent we can probably do a two and a half and there's just more silence and it was kind of intriguing to watch he said well two percent we could do two percent we don't do two percent overall we can do that if we adjust this and do this and he said well one and three quarters and then eventually it was one and a half percent 50 that's a 50 percent difference between three percent and one and a half percent we didn't say anything he just started negotiating with herself. We were just sitting back kind of smiling on the inside and he totally, I don't know if I can say this, screwed himself and his company of what we would have paid 3%. We were at 3% was good. We didn't know any different. 3% wasn't that bad. Yeah. And he
1: came back and we got a great deal and we didn't even say a thing. But he was talking, why were we going to stop that steamroller? It was <laughs> heading downhill fast, right? And we could see it coming. He just kept
0: going and sweating and getting red and sweating and getting red and self-negotiating, self-negotiating. And I can guarantee you we slept better that night than he did.
1: Yeah, well, in a little <laughs> bit of background, just so everybody understands, Kurt has this face that he does. And <laughs> it, <laughs> if Kurt is just sitting there listening to you and he's thinking about what you're saying and he's considering it, the wheels are turning. He's processing it. But he has this look on this face of like, I might kill you. Okay. Oh, not that bad. It can be that bad. <laughs> but it can make people uncomfortable. And he has no ill intention. It's just this. That's just the face that he makes when he's listening. It's my
0: my neutral and different face. My wife says, "You know, you need to smile. Like if I'm sitting somewhere on a stand waiting to speak, and I don't." Kind of have that neutral look. It looks like, <laughs> like I'm mad, and everyone's like, Whoa, he's mad.
1: I'm yeah, like, they're no, the, just not, no,
0: girl, I'm not mad. <laughs> but, uh, the yeah, neutral look I, is I
1: anything, up. it looks anything but. Right. So you're just giving this guy the neutral look. And wow, he he basically messed his pants and negotiated down to one and a half percent all by himself.
0: Yeah, So if anybody needs my mean face, I'll send you a picture and you uh, can work on it during your negotiation. Yeah,
1: yeah, it's pretty effective. Not everybody has the, the ability to make that face. That's the irony of it is you're not even trying. It's the neutral face. <laughs> it is. <laughs> I see that a lot. We've talked on the show before on negotiation, how the, the person who talks first or don't be the first one to mention a number or you lose. And we've we've largely debunked that. How in most cases that's not accurate unless you don't really know the numbers, unless you don't know what's customary. Then a lot of times it's okay for somebody to to throw something out. And I had a client call me today and he's offering on a couple of pieces of property. And he was saying, hey, Steve, well, can I ask for this or? Or can I ask for that? And I didn't know. I mean, these were kind of off-the-wall questions. And I said, just tell them you're not happy about X, Y, and Z, and then shut up. See what they say. See what they do, because they might pull the employee leasing guy thing and negotiate themselves down to a deal that's way better than you ever thought you could get.
0: Or just come down to rubbing your forehead and saying, man, is that the best you can do? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Might be enough to see if they're going to start self-negotiating for you. Let them do all the work. You just sit back and increase your profit.
1: Hey, every time, every time when you know how to speak at the right time and for the correct amount of time, wow, sure makes all the difference in the world. Well, uh, that's a good blunder, Kurt. I had, uh, <laughs> I hadn't thought about that one for quite a while, but that's pretty entertaining. <laughs> Anything else you want to add
0: today? Just want to reiterate personal development that there's a one-to-one relationship between your income and your personal development. In fact, success expert Brian Tracy says that if you can read thirty minutes a day, you're gonna double your income every couple of months. Treat yourself like a do it yourself project. I know you're smart enough to figure it out on your own. And you might think that's saving you money, but if it takes you two or three years and all those mistakes to figure something out on your own what's already been figured out, you're losing money. So think about your personal development. Stay focused on it. That is a sign of a very successful person.
1: Yeah the best investment you can make is in you. Absolutely. Absolutely well, good. Everybody, thanks again for joining us. Comments, questions, derogatory remarks to maximize your influence at gmail.com. We look forward to speaking with you again soon. We'll have another episode up here next week. Persuade with honor, persuade with power, and we'll talk to you later. Talk to you next week.